Gamecock fans, welcome home. See how it goes, uh, but we'll be ready to go. It's time to root. Let's go, Carolina. It's gone. Touchdown. What a hit. He makes it in. Can you believe it? Gamecocks have won this game. Here are your hosts, J.C. Sherbert. Oh, watch him celebrate now. Bill Molinax. My wife doesn't like hanging around losing. And Jamie Bradford. I'm going to tell him, you look like you joined Doug Dynasty. Inside the Gamecocks, the show, live from the Sinorama Studios and built by the Barndo Co., the Barndominium Co., where you can build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot if you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee. Phil will be in in a moment. He has got to take a quick timeout following the production of J.C. and Morgan, which just ended. Hopefully you caught that. It was a wonderful episode. You can... Go back and find it on the all-new Chief Sports app, part of the Chief Sports Network. JC, of course, is here. He's pulling double duty on Thursday, and he is back from what's been a crazy week of travel. But we lead off today's program. Mike Morgan is ahead. So is Chris Phillips with the one and the only and the very fleet-footed, if you just watched his intro video, former quarterback at South Carolina, Inside the Playbook with Perry Orth. Man, we are excited to have you. Perry will be with us on Thursdays throughout the season at this same time to talk Gamecock football. He is brilliant at doing so. He's also the offensive coordinator at uh, Cardinal Newman, and uh, he's got QB1 athletics and everything in between, and, and he's the man, and I'm glad to call him a friend. What's up, brother? Gentlemen, can you hear me? I got my AirPods in. Just You're good. Mic check. Yeah. We uh, working work working from home today, so we don't have any more. Hopefully, no no errors like we did, no Wi Fi errors like we did last time. But uh, yeah. 
No, appreciate you having me on. Excited to be back. And man, I tell you, it feels good to have football season upon us, doesn't it? It does. It, it, you, JC, I was texting with Perry yesterday, I think, or the day before, and um, and I, I sent him his his new intro, and uh, that we had some fun with him, and of course, be, with that with that run at, in College Station, and Perry said, "My God, that feels like all that happened twenty years ago," and. I'll shorten that. It feels like the last football season was 20 years ago. For whatever reason, this summer has lasted forever, dude. It has. It has. But at the same time, it's gone by super fast. It, you know how that is. Like, feels like it's been forever. But then, you know, I sit back and I think, you know, I bumped into you in the damn bathrooms at the Gator Bowl um, yeah. down in the, the little tailgate down there. And, yeah. I mean, to think back from that day to where we are now, like, how much has changed the landscape of college football um, but then also like the hype around everything. I know we ended up not winning that game, but you know, everybody knew we were down. We had playing really well. We just ran out of gas. Um, but to have it back, I mean, we play what in 20 some odd days, um, before, you know, it, we'll, we'll be playing football and it'll be week three and then it'll be January again. It's just how it goes, but we're going to enjoy it while it's here though. Yeah. yeah, you'll you'll blink and it'll be Christmas. I mean that that's just how it goes. And uh, these, you know, the summer's been a little slow for me too. Uh, but I'm, I'm sitting here now and I'm like pitching myself. We're three weeks from game week. In three yep. weeks, it'll be the week of the game and first scrimmage this weekend. And uh, I guess that that'd be my first question for you, Perry. You went through a bunch of preseason camps, yep. uh, including a battle. Uh, I guess must chance first year you were uh, battling, mm-hmm. or really the in 2015 as well, battling for the starting job. How important is that first scrimmage? Uh, or does it depend on the coaching staff or, you know, just take us back through there as a player, like what's going through these yeah. guys' minds? Because uh, right now, and I tell everybody this, they're trying to determine who they're going to coach. Uh, yep. Not everybody gets coached. Some guys go to scout team, and this scrimmage has kind of determined that. So what, what's kind of going through your mind as a player going to that first one? Yeah, I mean, every camp was important for me. You know, my first camp as a walk-on was to earn the trust of the coaches to show them that I had the ability to play. The second one was battling for the backup job. The third one was battling for the starter. And the fourth one was battling for the starter. So every, honestly, every scrimmage meant so much to somebody like myself. Um, And for the majority of the team, it really does. And I think the first scrimmage, first impressions go a long way, guys. I mean, you, you guys know that. Yep. And, you know, you, you get in the stadium, you know, Spurrier like to have, you know, people show up to the first scrimmage, right? Because he wanted to see how um, we were going to play in front of a crowd. You know, his big thing was, yeah, you do it well with, you know, shells on and, you know, not bringing to the ground. But when you're forced to bring people to the ground, now he wouldn't have the quarterbacks hit. But when you're forced to bring people to the ground, it requires you to, uh, you know, have a certain level of intensity that you have to bring. And, you know, you're in the stadium, big Williams, Bryce got the lights on, you know, people are there and, you know, it's just a different field in practice. And if you can perform well in scrimmages, the kids that performed well in scrimmages, it translated to the actual game. Um, It's just because that's what it is. It's a real game, right? Obviously you're not necessarily keeping score, but you know, like I said, pads, helmet, full, full go music's playing. Like you kind of get that game like vibe and, um, a huge thing as a coach is you always want to make scrimmages as game-like as possible, right? I, I relayed 
you know, the, the message I'll relay is um, like right now in high school football, we're, we're having our own scrimmages, but in South Carolina, you can actually scrimmage another team. Mm-hmm. And there's always those early kinks that you work out. The, the kids that men, they look great and you know, shorts and, you know, helmet or shorts and shoulder pads. But when you're forced to like, Hey, here comes that, you know, we can't just tag off anymore. We're not playing seven on seven, but you got to fit, make a tackle, bring somebody to the ground, make the right reads as a quarterback, step into throws when you're getting hit. Like the, those are all the things that you can't tell in practice until um, a game is played. But yeah, I know the kids are juiced up for, you know, I think Saturday you said is the first scrimmage. They'll be Fridays. will The Friday will be a pretty relaxed day, almost a walkthrough-esque type of practice. And, you know, for me as a coach now evaluating my players, and I know that, you know, Coach Beamer and Coach White, Coach Loggins are doing the same thing. They're going to want to see who's going to make the big play. I want to know who my explosive playmakers are. Um, so those would be the things that I would be, I'm sure that they're looking for, because that's what I would be looking for now as a coach. Let's not, uh, let's not bury one of the main things that people are going to want to hear you talk about. That's Spencer Rattler. Um, you've seen him, you've seen him obviously play now 13 games at South Carolina, but I know you've seen him in, in practice and you, you know, him a little bit. Um, this is, this is a, a, regardless of what I heard JC this morning on JC and Morgan, regardless of what any of the preseason lists say, you can throw all that garbage in the trash can. This kid is really good. So in your, with your quarterback expertise and knowledge, describe Spencer Rattler, what you get in a guy who's been in college football as long as he has with the talent that he has. Yeah. I mean, anytime you, you're, your trigger man's the most important position on the field. And when you have somebody that ability, you know, you're not, you're not, handcuffed from a play calling standpoint. There isn't anything that you can't do or you don't want to do. Um, At the end of the day with Spencer, it's going to come down to taking care of the football and moving the chains, right? You look at any of the high level football teams, they're always led by a really talented quarterback that takes care of the football um, and finds a way to move the chains, right? Let's talk about Georgia. Let's talk about Stetson Bennett. What did Stetson Bennett do really, really well for, for Georgia? He, he managed the offense. He was able to get first downs and create big plays with his legs. Um, he took care of the football and let everybody else do their job. When you, when you have as much talent um, that we have on offense, you know, I know the running back's a big position, but as we're starting to find out in, you know, with the NFL, um, the running, you know, running backs are not, I don't want to say a dime a dozen because I don't want to disrespect their abilities, but sure. You know, you can you can plug a lot of people in at running back to go and do a decent job, right? You need guys on the perimeter and you need a a trigger man that's going to put the ball in the money when he's under pressure, when you need him most in in receivers that are going to get open in one-on-one battles and ultimately break those one-on-one tackles and take it to the house. So um yeah, he he's obviously invaluable. Um I was talking to somebody about this the other day, what Spencer Rattler has done for the South Carolina football program is pretty spectacular. You know, what he did was he came here, you know, he took a chance on a, on a good program, one that, you know, isn't in the limelight, you know, nationally. And he's now, because of his stability, he has created depth at our position right now. You look at Tanner Bailey has had an opportunity to develop. Luke had another year to develop. You bring in Lenora Sellers, right? There are guys now that are experienced and or talented that if something happened to Spencer, we're not, oh, 
let's rush out another true freshman and hope that he can save the day. Um, So it's pretty remarkable. It's a great point. And it really is. I I don't know that a lot of people think about it that way, Perry. Obviously, we're focused on the 2023 football season, but the future of the – because you've seen this up close and personal. And and how many times at South Carolina, a talented quarterback has come in and been kind of thrown to the wolves essentially to save the day. And I I don't want to say that it – buried their career or anything like that I don't think that's appropriate but but there is a developmental process in becoming the leader of a major power five uh college football team and South Carolina has recruited well at this position over the years coach Spurrier to coach Muschamp now to coach Beamer but a lot of those guys as you kind of just pointed out never really had a chance to grow up before they were thrown into it yeah that's right and, and I mean you've Jamie I've been telling you this for seven years now that's a big reason why I started training quarterbacks was I believe that I had the, the knowledge, the resources, the know-how, but ultimately the experience to properly train and develop guys, right? Not only the way I was developed and maximized the abilities that I had, but, you know, other kids, I saw that when I was intimately involved in the quarterback room, I felt that the younger kids got better. Um, and the way that kids were just thrust out onto the field, I didn't, I didn't agree with because I understand how difficult it is to play that position at, at that high of a level, let alone your age. <laughs> Whether you were 23 redshirt senior year or you were 18, it didn't matter. It's a challenge. And um, getting them physically, mentally, and emotionally ready to be that guy for a big-time football program, it just takes maturity, right? Bobby Bowden, he took pride – in, in um, he wanted his starting quarterback to be at a minimum a redshirt sophomore, knowing that that quarterback had been on campus for three years. Go back to the Florida State teams from about the late 80s all the way through Chris Winkie, and the majority of their quarterbacks were redshirt sophomore, redshirt juniors the first time they got on the field. Um, and that was because he understood that they needed – there was a process that had to take place for them to get onto the field to truly be the leader of a team. Right. He wanted his guy to be 22 and everybody else was, you know, 19, 18, 19, 20. Again, you know, really brilliant stuff there, because a lot of people don't think about that. There's every year or every other year, seemingly there's excitement this year. It's over a guy named Lenora Sellers. There should be. We know he's incredibly talented and I think his career is going to be absolutely outstanding at South Carolina. Perry, but if you could maybe describe some of those things that you're now explaining. I mean, Spencer, when he was young at Oklahoma, he wasn't necessarily thrown into the wolves, but he was also in a system that was very quarterback friendly, as we well know. And then he also hit some bumps in the road that he had to grow through. So what what are those growth points, both physically and mentally for quarterbacks? I mean, well, physically, you just have to be ready to take care of your body just to endure the hits. Everybody that gets to a program at this level is going to have the capabilities from a talent perspective to go and make plays the second that they get there. But, you know, are are you – yeah, you might be 210, but are, are you actually physically dense enough to take some of the blows that you're going to take? You know, that, that would be from a physical perspective, you know, then from a mental – you know, how quickly can you process information? You know, with your high school team, did you play at, um, you know, I saw something on here in the in the comment box about Gaffney. Did you play at Gaffney or did you play at Cardinal Newman, right? You know, did you have, 
guys streaking down the field wide open where you could just drop back and flick it up there and they'd run underneath it. You guys would go score. Did you play with lesser talent around you where you had to identify coverage, make pre-snap reads, make run game checks, right. To get your team in the best case, you know, best position. So um, because you didn't have the, the, the premier talent on the perimeter or in the backfield or in the line. Right. So there's a lot of factors like that. So when they get to college, for the most part, everybody's pretty much even. You're going to have your one or two superstars per team, but everybody's kind of on the same playing field, right? Well, how how do I identify some of the more complex defenses that I'm going to see? How, you know, a lot of these high school kids that go to college will be the first time that they play defense. It actually rotates their safeties post-snap, right? You get set, you see too high, you call the snap, there goes rotation. So my thought process went from based off of an open middle, my read is one, two, three, but it's to the left side. Well, then they rotate back to close middle. And now versus a close middle, my reads are one, two, three to the right. Well, if I make up and predetermine in my brain, like, okay, it's open middle, I'm playing left. They close the middle and you play the left side and you throw a pick and you're looking around like, what the hell just happened? Then your coach comes back and say, did you not see the post-snap rotation? You say, no, coach, I'm 18. I'm a dumbass, right? That, that's where that's where the um, the maturity in the development comes from, because now you'll have kids that will have had two or three years of watching safeties rotate post snap or two or three years of different zone pressures, which you don't see very often in high school. And when you see it in your mind, right, when you see it on the screen and then you can see it in your mind, like that was one thing that they used to tell us all the time when you can see the play and the coverage happen in your mind. That was when you knew that you had it right. That was when you knew you could go out onto the field and execute it because you could see it in your mind, just get on a field, shut your eyes and watch the pieces move. Um, and a lot of kids, it, it didn't happen at 18. It doesn't happen when you roll out, roll out the ball for the first scrimmage in August, when you've been on campus for, I mean, golly, even since January, you've been on campus for seven months. Right. Yeah, those guys are probably eager to go out there and play against somebody else. I'm, I'm sure, especially some of the new guys. Yeah. So, uh, there's a we know about Juice Wells. Everybody knows about Juice Wells, um, and the rest of that receiving core is also pretty good. Xavier Leggett is primed for the best year of his life. Amarian Brown and others. There are a couple of guys though who uh, one of them has picked up steam lately. His name is Josh Simon. In uh, as far as media references and fan references go, the other came in highly, highly touted. His name is Trey Knox. You threw to a six-five tight end named Jarrell Adams. He was quite the safety valve when Perry Orth was a quarterback at South Carolina. Both of these guys, we know they're talented. We know they're fast, and we know that they can catch the football. Um, so, so what is that like for a quarterback and knowing? Oh crap. I'm in trouble. Where's the biggest guy on the field? And he might just happen to have two of them out there at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I don't want to sit here and hammer you with like the educated quarterback response here, but you know, <laughs> do it. it. It's more, it's not so much the, Oh my God, there's pressure. You know, Mr. Smith or, you know, Joe is the tall guy. I'm just going to turn around and launch and see what happens, right? Every quarterback's development should be, I know my protection. I know where my hot read is every play, right? So if my line's sliding right and I have my back to my left and they bring two backers from my left, I know that the second guy coming is quarterback's responsibility to be hot. But going back to your statement about the, the talent that's out there, I mean, it's clear as day that the talent that we have 
um, you know, whether we're in 10 or 11 personnel um, is going to be good. You know, from a running back perspective, if we simply do what we're supposed to do and hit the right holes and re, you know, make sure we're hitting the right keys. I mean, the guys are good enough, fast enough, athletic enough to make big plays. Um, at the end of the day, I think, um, you know, with the turnover at offensive line, I'm excited to see how we do there. That, I mean, having in, in the reason I can, you know, I'm speaking on that specifically is right now dealing with, you know, offensive line development at Cardinal Newman, right? Having a few new guys step in and play. And I know how important that is. You could have all the dudes on the perimeter that you want, but if you can't give the quarterback at least two and a half seconds to make his read, to make the right throw, you're going to have a really, really tough season. But from a perimeter standpoint, I mean, you're not going to be able to line up and play two man and just beat us, right? It's a, it, it won't happen. The guys are too good. They're too talented to just lock up like that. And I'm, I'll be intrigued to see how Dowell, um, Coach Loggins, brings his NFL concepts to the college game. Um, I'll be interested to see, you know, because in college football, the defenses, not only do they play, you know, they're going to play their quarters and their cover two, but a lot of times those linebackers and corners that are playing underneath coverage are doing what they call pattern matching, right? So if one guy goes in, the inside linebacker, I'm sorry, if, one, if the outside go, guy goes in, you know, the corner will point, right, knowing and expecting the inside guy to go out, right? So they're all they're doing is they're just matching routes by playing coverages in front of it. Um, and typically, you know, most people run the same plays when, you know, you're bringing kind of a new philosophy down to the college game. I think it could put more strain on a defense of different route concepts and motions and formations that maybe they're typically not used to seeing. So um, that'll be a really intriguing, um, that, that will be something that I'll be looking for, you know, as, as a young play caller myself, I'll be up there and, you know, or at home watching the game with a pen and a notepad trying to write down some of these concepts, <laughs> see if we can't bring them down to the high school level. Something that JC has kind of uh, has continued to hit on for a while is Vershawn Lee. Um, he seems to me, uh, Perry, to kind of, at the end of the day, be the glue to everything here. I'm talking all of them. Rattler, all the talent at the wideout position, the running back group. Um, I know that they like Trey Jones and Nick Gargiulo, and I think they feel pretty good about where they are at tackle as well. Hopefully it all comes together. But I don't know that it will come together unless Vershawn Lee kind of takes the bull by the horns and leads that group out there. What, what do you know about Vershawn Lee um, being moved to center and kind of being the guy that they're going to circle this year from from all everything we've heard inside and out? You know, if I had heard yeah. something negatively, I'd say the same thing. It sounds like he has really taken upon himself to be one of the not only leaders of the of the offensive line, Perry, but one of the great leaders of the football team. Yeah, I mean, the center is the quarterback of the offensive line. He's the guy that's making all the – maybe not the protection calls, but, you know, he's the one making the specific offensive line calls about, you know, who's pulling. Is it a guard guard center pull, guard guard pull, guard tackle pull, right? He, he's making the calls, right? He ultimately will – um, make decisions as far as if they want to slide protect right one way or the other, but he's kind of the, the center man kind of communicates outward. And when you have a guy that provides a lot of stability um, at center, um, what that does and the peace of mind for an offensive line coach and offensive coordinator, it uh, makes you feel really, 
you know, makes you feel good. And, you know, because ultimately they're the ones that are out there playing the game. And if they feel that they need to change a protection that maybe you called because they see something right there in front of them that they know they need to change or right. They need to go a man protection or a full slide zone protect. Right. It, it, it's super important to have a, an experienced center, not only to do all of those things, but to be the vocal leader, right. Say you run a, have a run play and the ball gets blown up in the backfield. That guy can kind of look around at his buddies, his other offensive linemen and say, guys, like, what the hell, what are we doing? You know, we need to lock in and, and, and we can't let that happen. Um, so I'm excited. I don't know much about uh, Vershawn, but, you know, I do recognize the name and I know that uh, he's well-respected in the building um, and having a guy like that leading your offensive line should be um, an enormous asset to our team. And what I heard too, he, he, they, if they run into a pinch at tackle, he could slide out there too. I mean, he's that athletic and, and versatile. He played some offensive tackle as a true freshman in 2020 against Tennessee. He got in uh I think for two series at, at right tackle, uh, first first year on campus. So, uh, and wow. he's the t- two time defending wing eating champion from the well, that's true. Car- <laughs> Carolina Rise, uh, he ate the bone in April. Yeah, yeah he, right. his technique was outstanding. He didn't even chew the wings, Perry. He just put them in his mouth and swallowed them. It was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And right it, it wasn't like it was very methodical <laughs> about it too. It, like like they say, technique overcomes everything when you're playing D line. It's the same way a chicken wing eating because <laughs> the technique, he, he was so like other guys were fast and they would have like eight bones on their plate. He's at like two, but his technique slow and steady. He's like the tortoise and the hare, you know, yeah. boom, boom, there you boom. Go. by the time yeah. it was over, it was, it was over. Perry, this Dowell Loggins offense without giving away any state secrets you may be aware of. Uh, there's a clip that got out from practice where they were going faster than I think I've seen a Carolina offense go ever. I mean, it was crazy, super fast. Uh, Do you think this thing's going to be more, I don't know, closer to that than than maybe like what he ran with the, because you mentioned the pro style concepts that that maybe what Adam Gase ran with the dolphins or whatever. I, I I tend to think he learned enough from your and, Kendall Browse uh, about college mm-hmm. offenses to think we're going to see a good bit of it, but I wanted to get your take on that. I don't expect us to go hurry up. I think that maybe we just caught a two minute drill that was mm-hmm. on tape. Um, I could be wrong. I don't know if they're going to go fast. They might. I think that a lot of people in the off season and in fall camp, especially from an offensive view, want to say like, we're going to go fast. We're going to snap the ball. I think we talked about that. We were going to do that my senior year. I think they were out in the media talking about like, we're going to be lightning fast. We're going to have a three yard completion and snap the ball while the defensive coordinator is still pulling his play sheet out of his pants. Right. So, um, you know, there's always, there's always that talk and it's always something you need to be able to do, but to, to make that the staple of your offense, I think would be a, a, would be a bad decision. And the reason I think that is I don't think that now we do have a lot of talent. I don't think we're that good to try to go super fast because you go super fast and go three and out and have to roll a young defense out there and continue to do that game over game. Not, um, you know, not a good key to success. I think Oregon was able to do that because they don't play any defense out West anyway. So they were able to go fast because they had the dudes that could hit the home run, just like at a blink of an eye and they were gone. I mean, they were having track stars running the football. Um, 
And, uh, and then they were the first ones to kind of do it. And I know there were some other people that did it and, you know, then Baylor started going fast and throwing the ball down the field and, you know, but that was, geez, that was even before I was playing. So the, it's kind of funny how the game spins, sure. you know, in circles, right. Where now we're back to the, the, the pro style where hell, even at, you know, I never huddled ever. Right. And now I'm having our guys huddle, right. Slow it down. We want to burn the clock. We want to run the football, right. Do some play action RPOs. So I would expect more of that than a hurry-up offense. But you have to be able to do it because there's obviously times in a game or, you know, a random drive in the game to say, like, hey, we're going to go fast. Like, I love that. But to make that, like, the backbone of your offense, I I, I disagree with. Yeah, I don't think I, – I, Tennessee, it's going to be an interesting case study in that because I think one of the things that made them go last year, and they did go very fast, uh, and they'll type will always do that was the accuracy of Hendon Hooker. And I thought that was – people talk about historic seasons. I thought his accuracy last year, Perry, was unreal. I mean, especially for as many long balls as they threw. I mean, for a quarterback, it's going to be interesting to see Joe Milton, stronger arm. Is he going to be able to connect like that? Well, you you nailed it on the head. I mean, he was accurate. So if you're accurate and you're catching passes (laughs) – the clock's still running. You're able to go hurry up, up tempo. And then the other thing too, is they, I mean, you got Jalen Hyatt who runs legit for two, right. Streaking up and down the field. I mean, you know, you're kind of playing to their strong suit. Like you said, I mean, that's a big thing on Tennessee. And I know that's not the topic of today and I'm probably going overextending my welcome here, but Tennessee, I'll be intrigued to see how they do. I know everybody's loving on them, big Rocky tops back, but you know, Joe Milton came in, played really well. Well, DJ Ungolo, however you say his name, came in, you know, his sophomore year and played played pretty well at Clemson too. And then the last couple of years were, you know, a complete catastrophe. So, you know, we we got to give him a couple of games because it it is a it is much more difficult to be the guy for an entire season than it is like, hey, I'll come in the bowl game. Now he played his ass off, but to do that over the course of an entire season, especially if he plays bad early and they lose, does he have the mental toughness and the mental wherewithal to to to, to go back out there the following week and get it done? I don't know, but he's got a hell of a coach to help him get there. So, Perry, we'll let you run uh, in one minute here. Two quick questions. One of them's a um, a listener question. Uh, there's been some some uh, conversation about Eric Rice. You coached him at AC Flora. Can you? Tell us about him real quick as a player. And then uh, also you played with Bryson Allen Williams, who lost his mother, Darnisha, yesterday. It's a tragic moment for a wonderful person, and she was an amazing person. If you could share some thoughts on her as well. Yeah, now Eric's a great player, super smart kid, long, great hands. I'm excited. I hope he gets some action on the field. I think he will. Um, If not this year, he definitely will next year. He was our number one guy at Florida the year we won the state title in 2020. Um can make every catch. He's not a burner, but great possession receiver that can, uh, can certainly will contribute to our program eventually. And then um, with Bryson Allen Williams, I mean, that was horrible. I mean, she was like, you know, you felt her presence when she walked into a room. Mm-hmm. Um, Bryson, obviously from the time he was, you know, committed to South Carolina all the way, even to now um, he was just a great representative of our program and he was a great teammate and a great person and great player. And, to have that happen is just terrible, but you know, we pray that she's in a better place and we know that. And uh, we know that uh, Bryson's making a hell of a name for himself in the coaching industry. He's out at Southern Cal as um, 
yep. an analyst right now, spent a couple of years in Chapel Hill and would love to find a way to get him back to Columbia um, to coach uh, to coach on our defense. So it would be pretty cool. That would be quite the way to honor his mother, there's no doubt. Inside the playbook with Perry Orth, uh, you can find Perry all over social media on Twitter, of course, at Perry Orth. 10 i think and um we've got uh, uh i had to actually take it down i gotta fix something but we've got a page that'll be up on the chief sports app for perry as well if you know a quarterback who isn't worth a damn but you want him to be qb1 athletic i'm just kidding if you want quarterback training <laughs> qb1athletics.com is where you'll want to go they've, they've got the whole state covered now and uh can even hook yeah, you up with a guy named steven down in florida so we're everywhere. And if you're down in Tampa, make sure you go see our boy Garcia down there. He's probably, uh, it's might be a little early for his transfusion, his 25 daily minutes. transfusion drink, but uh, <laughs> yeah. give it about 25 minutes and he's going to have a nice cocktail mixed and ready to go. <laughs> That's right. And he'll be driving his Hummer around ready to train some quarterbacks. Just oh, the kids Perry. will be dropping back, stepping on AR shells all over his backyard. <laughs> That's right, man. He's, hopefully you've him. insured him. Uh, that would, uh, you know, Too hot. Normal. Too hot to touch there, buddy. Just kidding. <laughs> Perry, can't wait. See you next Thursday, brother. All right, gentlemen. See you. There you go. Inside the playbook with uh, – Perry Orth. Do you want to just bring Chris in and then double up at the end of the hour? Why don't we do that? Is that cool? Okay. Let's just go ahead and do that and then we'll double yeah, up here at the, here at the end of the hour because Chris has to get out anyways because he's got a show coming up at noon. Uh, so uh, hopefully nobody had to pee. If you do, give it about 15 to 18 minutes and you can go. Chris Phillips with Spurs <laughs> Up Show uh, right in and uh, ready to roll. What's up, brother? JC, JB, Phil, what's going on, man? I feel like we've reached that point of the preseason to where the anticipation has really set in, and we've been talking about this thing for weeks and weeks, and I'm just ready to spot the damn ball, man. But we are excited to start talking a little bit more defense today on our airwaves, and obviously excited to talk with you guys. But it, it's these last 20 days or so, they can be a little bit tough because it's just like they start to drag on and get a little bit longer and a little bit longer. But thankfully, real football is is just around the corner. Can't wait. So, without giving away all the goods, because your program's coming up, we want people to watch it, of course, but what is your focal point when discussing the defense? Yeah, so we've been doing the position unit preview series, where it's just go through every single position unit, break it down, top storylines for it, you know, talk about specific guys who have the most to prove, who's the best guy in the group, some are more obvious than others, but today we're going to talk defensive line, so we've grouped up the tackles and the edge guys, and so, you know, I'd say D-line is one of those really interesting position groups that, you know, has a lot to prove and there's talent in the room. But, you know, when you look at the statistics and what they were last year and you think about the fact that you haven't finished 10th or better in the SEC and stopping the run since 2017, I mean, there's a lot to prove wow. for Travian Robertson and that group uh, in this season. But, again, there's talent led by guys like Tonka Hemingway, of course, Gear coming out of the portal, Jordan Strawn's return, you know, Elijah Davis out of Juco, Brian Thomas Jr. trying to build off a spring game. So when you really start to dive into the nitty-gritty, there, there's a lot to uh, to uncover. And so we'll talk about that today. Again, over the next two days, actually, we'll talk D-line. And then Monday, Tuesday, next week, we'll go linebackers. Wednesday, Thursday, we'll go defensive backs. And then Friday, we'll wrap it up with uh, – kickers and punters and we'll be ready to roll into week one man because i'm taking actually that week zero uh off we're gonna get one last big trip in there but uh we'll be ready to roll into week one after that so uh, it's been a lot of fun man I, like i said i i with all the talks of conference realignment and nil and portal and 
you know, recruiting and things we all like to talk about and discuss. Like, I'm a guy, I, I love to talk ball and just get in the nitty-gritty and talk about those those storylines and, will this group do this, what have you. But at the same time, it's like you get to a point, like I mentioned, you you kind of start repeating yourself just a little bit. You know, there's, there's nuggets we can get out of fall camp, but I'm just itching to start talking about South Carolina, North Carolina, the matchups in that game, the team comparisons, making some predictions and picks, and, you know, eventually getting to kick off. Three weeks until game week. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So where, where's your next? Yeah. Where's your next trip? Because he's going uh, to the Notre Dame game. Are, are you going to be seeing it? Going to be seeing it? Oh, in Ireland? He's no, no, Notre so Dame. We're, Navy. So Navy. we're actually Navy. going. To, yeah, we're actually going to Montana for a week. So oh, it's, nice. Uh, oh, what yeah, part? Yeah, yeah, going to see some family, and uh, you know, I've never been out to that part of the country, and. You know, oh, from what I've heard, it's it's majestic. So I'm I'm very much so looking forward to. It. Well, what, what, you know, what that, town? What? What town? It's uh, I, I I forget exactly what town it is, uh, but yeah, I can let you guys okay. know. I, yeah, I, no, I, I, it's, yeah, I forget exactly, but we're flying out that uh, that Sunday, the twentieth, and then getting back that Saturday, the twenty sixth, which I'm actually really excited about because we get back in town about three o'clock, so we will get back in town to watch some Vandy Hawaii. I'm very pumped for that. But, uh, no, it's going to be a good time. And I think we're going to go to Yellowstone during the week and it, it just explore. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it'll be a nice decompression until we lock into the in-season grind. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Thank, uh, if you can, I've got in-laws in both Laramie and Cheyenne, Wyoming, um, which is going to be a long distance from where you are. But mm-hmm. if you're going to go into Yellowstone, if you have the time, if you're going to go mm-hmm. into Yellowstone, drive through and go see the Tetons as well, which is a mm-hmm. little bit north of Jackson. Um, Jenny Lake and all those. If you're looking to hike, and st- it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. not that Yellowstone isn't enough to see. Of course, it is. It's Yellowstone. <laughs> right. But if you can get down to the Tetons too, it's it is something. And yeah, they have ca- they have killer breakfast burritos out west, Chris. <laughs> if you don't be scared to buy one from a gas station, I'm telling you, it won't hurt your stomach like you think it might. It's good. They're good. I promise. I, I do love a good breakfast burrito. By the way, it's Kalispell, Montana. That's that's where we'll be. Kalispell, Montana. I'm, I'm, so where are you flying Montana. into? Helena. I have to look at the tickets. I totally forgot. The, it was the, the girlfriend admittedly booked the tickets, booked the flights, everything else. So I, uh, yeah, I've just kind of sat back and, and paid, and now we're going. Landwise, Montana is a huge state. Landwise, one of the biggest states in the country. Yeah. Hard to name a city in Montana. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know Bozeman. Only a few. I think horn. Bozeman and Helena are where Montana, Montana State are, are, are located. Mm-hmm. But a buddy of mine, yeah. David, uh, named David, big Tennessee fan, he used to be my neighbor when I lived in Greenville. We drank many beers together <laughs> on that porch watching college football, uh, especially the day Florida beat Tennessee on the last second pass. I had a funeral to go to, and then Carolina played Kentucky at home and lost in 2017. That was a that was that next Sunday. We just sat there astonished and everything. Anyway, long story short, he apparently it's, to- it's just east of Spokane, by the way, Washington. So we're oh we're, you're oh so you're way I figured you're on right. the west side. Yeah, yeah. west. I mean, if you're going into Yellowstone, so, you got to yeah. be on the west side. Pretty far west. Yeah. 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 Point is, he goes fly fishing out in Montana with his family every summer around this time, but it's it's Beautiful God's country for yeah. real. All right, so you mentioned the defense. Uh, Cole Kubelik had a nice report out Kubelik. there saying he's hurt. Uh, yeah, Kublik. Sorry, sorry, sorry about Kublik. that. Cole, Cole, <laughs> Cole C. Right, uh, said that uh, you know the, the defense is actually you know people aren't talking about it, but they're they're fired up about it. They've been flying around. Um, you know, I, I think turnovers are always going to be an, an instrumental part uh, given this scheme. I think I think it's the type of scheme where you it's create it's designed to get turnovers. 
uh, and you need to get your share. Uh, I think statistically, though, call me crazy, even with the players they lost, I think athletically they've upgraded a bit. Mm. Um, I'm not worried about the corners, uh, which is the, the place where you kind of lost the most. Uh, Chris, I think this this side of the ball could surprise and probably, you know, may very well be Clayton White's best year statistically in terms of, of stopping people. Your thoughts? Yeah, JC, I think the, think so as well. And what, like I said, we'll get there next week. But the linebacker group, I'm, I'm as excited as I've been about them in a really long time. You know, when you look at what they bring back, of course, assuming Mo Caba is going to be 110% good to go, which based off all reports and everything we've heard, that should be the case. You know, I, I love Grayson Pup Howard. I think he's got freshman All-SEC written all over him. I like the pickup of Jerron Willis out of the portal from Ole Miss. Debo Williams is a veteran guy. And, oh, by the way, Stone Blanton, who I know is, you know, I heard has been kind of nursing – Somewhat of a minor injury during fall camp, but nothing that's going to obviously keep him out from game one or the season, anything severe like that. So, you know, I, I think the linebacker core improving could lead to improved results in the run defense, which is the big question, uh, you know, because we talk about the front four all the time, the defensive tackles. You know, that was a group that was praised by Shane Beamer last year. He felt like that was the maybe the strongest unit on their on their entire football team position group, if you will. Um, I love Tonka Hemingway. You know, it's funny. I was looking back at his stats and like, I forgot just how good he was last year. Eight tackles for loss, four sacks. I mean, it's funny. I almost feel like his special teams heroics kind of overshadowed how good he was on the defensive front because it was like, what is Tonka Hemingway doing scoring a two-point conversion? It made you kind of forget how good he was in the interior. So, you know, listen, you, you lose Pickens, you lose Birch on the edge, but you add a gear from Syracuse, which I think he can fill in and step up and fill in that role very nicely three and a half sacks last year and obviously if you can have a healthy Jordan Strawn all year I mean I think just specifically having a healthy Strawn and healthy Kaba and you cross your fingers that no other severe injuries happen I think your defense your front seven is upgraded from that alone and then you add in Elijah Davis if Brian Thomas Jr. can build off of that spring game he had of course Desmond Umiazulu is a guy we all love coming off the edge the true freshman uh, Xavier McLeod, another big-time freshman as well. T.J. Barrett, Nick Sanders, and those those are two guys that Beamer has talked about a lot that they want to see them take the next step. And and then, J.C., you mentioned the secondary, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I think anytime to be fair to Cam Smith and Darius Rush, anytime you're replacing a pair of guys like that, it, it is somewhat of a question mark because you have to appreciate what they gave you on the outside, but it's not like you're starting two true freshmen at corner. I mean, Marcellus Dial, I think he led you in interceptions last year played really good football. Donna Fortune had the 100-yard interception return in the, in, in the uh, Notre Dame game. And then, of course, you got two of the best safeties in Eamon Warrior, D.Q. Smith. You got David Spalding over at the nickel, some other guys who could fill in there. You got a bunch of guys who have done it before under Torian Gray, and you sort of give him the benefit of the doubt. And I'll tell you this, J.C., you let off with the turnovers. And, you know, it's one of those things where I think I came into last year saying, okay, you know, year one, opportunistic. Jalen Foster had like six interceptions. Are you going to have that ball hawk guy? Can you really do it again? Can you bank on turnovers? Well, they did it again. They were opportunistic again. They found a way to get the ball off people again. And so I'm kind of to the point where I am giving them the benefit of the doubt. You know, it's one of those things where I think it's just the identity of the defense. They, you know, while they may not be dominant up front, dominant in the run defense, you know, they're able to create those turnovers and be opportunistic and maybe some of that bend but don't break that we've heard so much of. So, you know, I think for South Carolina specifically, taking that step forward in the rush defense, you know, we posted the stat this morning, guys, and I just told you that since 2017, Carolina hasn't finished 10th or better in stopping the run. I know that's something Travian Robertson company, I'm sure, they're preaching, and, you know, that's a big storyline as well, him taking over the defensive front. But, 
you know, it's it's one of those groups that I think this is a big year for Clayton White. JC, I know you and I talked about that on our show. I think that's a it's a really, really big year for him in regards to the defense taking a step forward because all of the attention and focus has been on Marcus Satterfield the last two years and how bad the offense was. Now it's one of those deals where it's like, okay, if the offense is fixed, is the defense going to be able to hold up their end of the bargain and, and not be leaky in the run game and you know get a stop when they need it, things of that nature. So I, I think they could take that step forward. And again, I point back to the linebacker position. That improving is one of the big reasons why. You just brought up something that I think is really fascinating, and it it doesn't necessarily need to be the topic of conversation entering the season, but it would be had you not said what you said because the offense has struggled so much. Um, it's almost gone under the radar, or it's almost been like an asterisk almost on the side that, oh, hey, you know, maybe we should stop the run sometimes too because they they – you know, like the Notre Dame game, they ran for like 300 yards. They should have won that football game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and But had the offense been clicking, this would have been the glaring weakness the last couple of years. And again, while it's been discussed, it's been, I, I don't know about minimal, but minimized. And I think that's a really good point because nobody else ever says anything about it. And it's one of those things, guys, I don't know if it's a footballism or if there's real credence to it. I think it's somewhere in the middle, but you know, you hear fans constantly week after week say, if you try to bring up the defense or they couldn't stop the run or the defense didn't do this, well, they're just on the field all the time. You know, the, the, the offense can't stay on the field and they're getting gassed. And I think sometimes that applies. No doubt. I think there were times over the first two seasons of the Shane Beamer era where the offense wasn't very good. The time of possession was skewed. Defense eventually got worn out in the, you know, later in the ball game or what have you. But I'm like, can you really use that as an excuse for every week? I mean, even Florida last year, as bad as the offense was, they gassed you from the opening drive. Like, there was no, you know, there was no like defense kind of kept you in the ball game for a little bit. Arkansas, they gassed you from the opening drive. Like there was none of this. Well, they just got worn down and the offense didn't hold. So I think it's somewhere in the middle because I don't want to completely write that off and say that hasn't happened. But uh, again, it's a really, really big year for the defensive side and similar to the offensive side where. They're recruiting the heck out of the line of scrimmage. You know they're making it a primary focus to improve that. Shane Beamer and company, they're doing the same thing. I mean, give the credit to, to Sterling Lucas and, and Travian Robertson now and the rest of that staff, the way they're recruiting defensive linemen, defense front. I know they could do a little bit better. You know, we've all talked about the way Georgia's come in and kind of ravaged some of the prospects you wanted. But either way, I think they're they're doing everything they can to address those needs. But it's just got to improve, man, because South Carolina last year, as we all know, guys, finished outside of the top 100 rushing offense, rushing defense. They haven't finished inside of the top 90 in either of those uh, statistics in the first two years of the Shane Beamer era. And you've been able to, I feel like, play with fire and kind of cheat death. You're not going to win eight games again if you finish outside of the top 100 in rushing offense and rushing defense. I, I, I just – maybe I'll be proven wrong again, but I, I don't see it. You know what I mean? At some point, that's going to come back to haunt you. I think South Carolina has the bodies up front to take a step forward, not even an incredible step. You know, my, our good friend Connor O'Gara of Saturday on South, he was on with us yesterday, and he said something that really struck with me. He said, South Carolina should just embrace mediocrity up front because they've been that bad. If you can just be mediocre, be eighth or ninth, you've taken a baby step forward. I know that sounds kind of silly, but it's the reality at this point. So, again, they feel like they have the bodies. We feel like they do as well, and, of course, they're improving the talent there, but – just got to see some steps forward in, in stopping the run specifically. That that's been the Achilles heel of this group. Yeah, you like Quantra, or I'm sorry, like uh, the Macandino guys point out here the fact that the defense is actually 
created the most takeaways in the league, mm-hmm. um, which is phenomenal. Of course, the offense itself has had some some fun turning the ball over. They've generated um, the most. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, if you could just you could you could cut that in half, and the defense keep what they're doing, and maybe mm-hmm. shave thirty, you know, twenty, thirty yards a game running the football. That probably that probably takes the other team off the field. Two, two or three more times, and, and I and I think JB, not to cut you off, I think the defense too gets somewhat. They get more of a pass because I think we've just all accepted that, and and it's true. College football, it's about offense. I mean, it's just it's about scoring points, man. I mean, you're winning games forty five to thirty eight, forty two to thirty five. Like th- that's how you're winning ball games, you know. So I don't think anybody's out here saying Carolina needs to be the two thousand ten Alabama defense that gave up one point one yards per carry or average giving up eight point nine points per game. But certainly, you know, when, when you're allowing five yards per carry on the ground, 198 yards per game on the ground, you're just going to have a really hard time winning games. I, you just are. So um, I, I think they can certainly improve on that number. Again, that was without Jordan Strawn. That was without Mo Kaba. You get those two guys back at full strength. I mean, even Jordan Strawn last year, I think it was through a game and a half, he had like 10 tackles, a sack. Like, he was very much so on pace, I think, to have a really, really good season. And I think most of us – expected him to be that lead sack guy, even with Jordan Birch on the roster. I think if he's fully healthy, which again, by all counts, he is, he should be that dude this year, along with a guy like gear, who I think could be a seven or eight sack guy. And if you can do that, I think the defense should absolutely be better this year. Well, I sure hope you're right because they're going <laughs> to need that in the first couple of weeks with North yeah. Carolina and Georgia. Yeah, everybody, everybody keeps saying, well, they better get it together by Georgia. They better have it together before they play North Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, Wait, Georgia's a week three. I mean, I mean, there, there's a lot of different keys you could look at for each of those individual games, but certainly pass rush is one of them because the quarterbacks you're facing, if they've got time to throw, you can say what you want about North Carolina being in the ACC. You know, you can say Carson Beck's unproven or Will Rogers out of the air raid or maybe Joe Milton's not as good. But if those guys have time to throw, they're going to pick you apart. I mean, bottom line, I don't care how good your secondary is. Those guys have elite athletes on the outside. Those are all big-time quarterbacks. And so generating a pass rush is an absolute must. If not, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be a very, very long afternoon against those quarterbacks, So, uh, especially going into UNC. You know, Drake May, a guy, he, he's got some wiggle. He's a little bit mobile. He can run it a little bit. And, you know, we'll see what their weapons look like on the outside with this whole Tez Walker thing in the NCAA. That's a huge blow for them. But, uh, yeah, to your point, JB, I mean, it's 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 all about generating that pass rush because there's no secret these are going to be some pass-happy offenses you're going to face. I mean, you look at North Carolina, they don't know who their starting running back is. I know South Carolina does, but they've got questions in their run game also. I, I think they're banking on Drake May throwing for 300-plus against South Carolina if they're going to get the win. So how do you stop that? Great pass rush, make him get the ball out quickly, generate a couple sacks, have him a little bit timid, throws the ball in the coverage. You got the DBs to take care of the rest. So, Marcellus Dial uh, told me in April he was going to have six interceptions this year. Uh, my prediction is he'll have two against North Carolina. How about that? There you go. Drake who is, will be the T-shirts <laughs> that the Spurs Up show will be selling afterwards. Chris, uh, do yourself a favor before you head to uh, Montana. Well, I guess we'll talk to you before then, but do yourself a favor anyways. Make sure you watch one of the great movies of all time, A River Runs Through It. I will have to do that. I will have to do that. JC, you're a movie. You're a movie guy. Are you a River Runs Through It guy? Brad Pitt, Tom Skerritt. <laughs> Sorry. Craig, 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 don't listen to JC. He, watch, he still watches like, you know. I have PTSD is it from a kid because my mom loved Little House on the Prairie, mm. which was in Minnesota, hey, like not Montana. Montana. I just yeah. Michael Landon. I don't know. 
Craig Sheffer was in A River Runs Through It. Anybody else know anybody know what other movie Craig Sheffer starred in? There's two of them. I'll give you one, Fire in the Sky. The other, it's a football movie. Close to home. The program. Oh, the, the, program. the program. He was a quarterback. Uh, mm. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Craig Sheffer. All right, cool. Chris, have a wonderful show, man. Uh, we're getting close to kickoff. We'll see you next Thursday. Absolutely. JC, JB, Phil, appreciate you guys. JC, we'll talk to you later today, my friend. Y'all take care. See you, man. Looking forward Thank to you. it. There you Thanks, go. Chris. Uh, Chris Phillips with the Spurs Up show. It's been a whirlwind two hours for me, man. I know. Lightning quick, JC and Morgan, and then those two guys. I need a uh, Steven Garcia break, a uh, transfusion at noon. That'll be our new uh, – we need to get someone to sponsor that. Our transfusions at noon on the inside of the Gamecocks, the show. All right, um, let's go ahead and hit a timeout, Phil. We'll hit it early because we got to uh, we got to we got to hit a couple of breaks here, right? Yeah, yeah, we, we got to make up some ground. We got some ground to make up, so let's do that. When we return, Power Hour presented by Palmetto Medicare. Mike Morgan is trying to trying to catch JC on airtime today. He'll join us right. for the final hour of the see Mike first, again. First yeah, right here. We are teed up by TravelingCountryClub.com, the coolest club in the Carolinas. Play golf this fall through TravelingCountryClub.com. We'll be right back. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barndo Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated. Welcome to TravelingCountryClub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to TravelingCountryClub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey everybody, this is Mo Copper from Carolina Football. The show is painted garden and black every day by a couple of painters. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com to check them out. Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com.
The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. You hear me and see me every day here on Inside the Gamecocks, and it would be an honor to earn your business. I've been around real estate my entire life as it's somewhat of a family business. I work with an elite team of experts from loans to insurance to closing, and they make my clients and my life very easy. It really is elite. Coast to Coast Realty SC.com is where you can find our staff, and you can always reach out to me here as well. Go Gamecocks. Cool Joe will you. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award winning, it'll melt in your mouth, it's good on a cracker, it's good in a bowl, it's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget, Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well, and they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasporch.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. exciting plays three weeks away from even more exciting plays well if you are traveling the columbia area you will have probably already noticed some pretty sweet carolina rise billboards thanks to the sherbert family out of their own pocket 
uh, for uh, promoting Nick Harbour and those guys the way they do. But um, if you're heading to Charlotte, mm-hmm. you've also noticed a sandstorm is coming, billboards. Yeah. So uh, it's uh, I hope all goes well on September the 2nd. <laughs> I, I spent some time in, uh, in Charlotte. This earlier this week, right? Well, you probably did. a little more than I wanted to. Can I, can I give and, you a real quick pat on the back? Because yesterday we we were I, I we didn't want anybody to worry about you. It's not like anything health related was going on or anything like that. But you hadn't been really, and you you were having some difficulty getting on the air. And then and then you, we didn't have that was what Tuesday I think Monday you were tied up yesterday. Uh, you were tied up. Not really. I mean, you were, but you had gone. You'd missed. You'd had you had had two flights canceled or delayed you had gone back and forth all over the place from charlotte to here and it was like dude just take the day and chill like we've got we've got mad dog here mad dog will get us through a couple of hours and he did and uh we are happy to have you back but really i mean you've been doing a lot for the last few days and and just wanted to say thanks for what you're doing oh yeah yeah i'm loving it i you know i get i get weird if i don't get on the show for a while because um you know i, I got to I have some jobs behind the scenes, like, oh, put a podcast on the right playlist in YouTube, because uh, I know I'm the only one with access to it. And so I'm like, I, I, I should have just stepped, stepped in and done that. But I slept a lot yesterday because I I didn't get but like three hours sleep going down to Columbia because my flight wasn't delayed. But I decided to drive and then the place I'm staying when I'm moving there, you know, uh, there was a mix up and the key, the keys weren't there for me. So I'm in five points at 3 AM, no keys to get in. So I had to go up to the, the Hilton garden Inn. by the way, I love that Hilton garden Inn at home two suites on Gervais. That's nice. On Gervais. Yeah. Good. Yeah. They were great. They did people nice there. With that. Yeah. Uh, so I stayed well, there man. and then up, up standing at attention at seven, uh, tried to do the show. Internet was there. I had to run all over Columbia had to get this outstanding haircut. Shout out to the great clips on Harbison, by the way. Uh, had to get some clothes. I mean, yeah, I was just a hot, I was just a mess. Great meeting, and then I get stuck in that traffic and all that. But uh, yeah, it's been something else. Um, I'm going to treat myself to see it go and see Chief Eric Church, who Jamie doesn't like at all. Uh, <laughs> he. Uh, He's playing at an amphitheater. You know, Chicago is big, right? They got a lot of, a lot of stuff in Chicago. Oh. Uh, and, and when he's been here, he's played like downtown, United Center, or Wrigley, or wherever. Well, there's an amphitheater, kind of like the one they have in Charlotte. It's actually really nice. It's the one I went to see Dirks Bentley at. Uh, it's 30 minutes. I mean, with, in traffic. So probably about, you know, 10 miles from where I live. And I was going to miss it because I was going to go ahead to Columbia like a good boy and all that. Well, then that didn't happen. It's already Thursday. To hell with it. I'm going to see Eric Church Saturday night with my fiance. So we are going to see Chief. Uh, I figured if I didn't, Jamie would kick me off the show. <laughs> and uh, and so I'm going to do that. And then I'm coming back to Columbia Monday. I'm going to get the get the uh, the remote. Uh, ability set up hopefully before then. Otherwise, I'll I'll, I'll be on the show by phone. Uh, Going to just make that whole drive. Get up like four in the morning, drive all the way on Monday, and then back in South Carolina till right before the game uh, start or the week of the game. So that's my deal there. But we uh, we're getting there, and uh, it'll be a lot more smoother moving forward. Uh, I was 
So sort of caught off guard by a lot. So glad to be back. Clint, well, the rain the rain check packages are coming. I'll just tell you guys, this has been out of my hands. I, I, it's it's my brother. He's doing the best he can to get them out. They're coming. They're on the way. By the way, part of the rain check package is you get a free ticket to the tailgate. I mailed all of those out from the Sonny's Barbecue in Fort Mill <laughs> on Monday. Uh, I sat there after I ate and mailed them all out. And so they're coming from South Carolina, so, Illinois, so many of you should have gotten them already. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I tell you, and I know you're not complaining, Clint. It, it gets me because that's not really what we – we don't want people waiting this long for packages. But it, with the way those things are set up, it's very, very time-consuming. Uh, I should have taken half of them myself, so, so blame me. Uh, don't blame the guy that works 45 hours a week and has two small kids. You know, he's he's trying the best he can to get them out. And uh, if they're not all out by next week, I'm gonna I'll probably drive up to Spartanburg and 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 help him with that. But that's uh, they're coming. Then they're great. And those that have gotten them, love them. But uh, that that's just what's happened with that. And believe me, I am uh, I, I, I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not mad at my brother. But I, I, I'm I'm frustrated with how I set it up uh, to where it's very time consuming to put those together, and and I I need to do better with that. But they are coming, so there we go. Only JC can blame his brother. Nobody blames Mike Morgan for anything, though. He's the golden tones of college athletics, and he joins us now. Power Hour presented by Palmetto Medicare here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Him and JC today both pulling double duty jc will be pulling triple duty after this show and then everybody will take a deep dark nap nice show this morning mike you, you feel like i feel like you've done this before yeah no that was fun i mean we as, as jc mentioned it kind of snuck up on me we've been doing it for seven years but um when we started it it was two guys on a skype connection without really good sounding equipment and <laughs> I mean, it was just kind of fly by the seat of your pants. Um, and then, you know, as, as times move, as time has moved along, we've, we've progressed and now we've hit the mother load with being a part of uh chief sports network and bringing Phil in and, you know, everything just, uh, it, it's, it reminds me of the days of hosting a daily show where, you know, you have kind of an idea in mind of, uh, what segments are going to be about what. And, um, and just have a little more uh, flow and format to it. We didn't have a guest today, which allowed us to be a little more in depth on some some different topics. But um, no, it's been it's been a lot of fun, and I'm I'm so excited about what the future has for for everything that uh, uh, is involved under this umbrella. All right. Well, speaking of topics, uh, JC uh, earlier, I totally disagree with his opinion on this. I think it's a poor opinion. And I think moving forward, you should exclude him from some of your movie conversations. Um, I'm a huge fan of A River Runs Through It. Are you? Is this the Kevin Bacon movie? No, with Brad Pitt, yeah, Tom Brad Garrett. Pitt. Brad Pitt and who? Tom Skerritt. When they fit, they grew up in Wyoming. They're fishermen. Oh, never saw it. Oh, I mean, how do y'all have movie they, segments? We, we run into this all the time. It, th th this, this segment, you want to talk about a segment that's both extremely popular and one that we take more. I mean, the the, the negative, uh, when you mention a movie that you haven't seen or that you don't like and somebody is really passionate about that movie, 
I'm telling you, they'll be more upset about that than anything we say regarding sports. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's heartbreaking. Uh, JC and I both uh, have, have fallen into that into that trap. I mean, there's some movies he really likes that I haven't seen. I'm sure he's thinking, how in the hell have you not seen that? And there's some movies he has not seen that I'm like, we, we, you know, we're living under a rock. What's going on here? <laughs> so it, it, people get real passionate about that subject. Um, no, I have not seen that. You know, I don't know what my taste in movies, like I, the, the, the five and dime segment, it's not just like ranking movies. It's movies that whenever they're on, you watch again and again and again, right? The remote droppers. Okay. So there are some movies that I like the first time, but I have no plan on seeing them again. So you're telling me this is a movie that I'd want to see again and again and again. Well, I watch it every time it's on. Is it on makes... a lot? Uh, I well, no, know. I don't. I don't. I mean, if it is, I'm, I don't know. But I mean, if uh, I really, see it this on, is I... a remote dropper for you, JB. Really? I, I've yeah, done I love it. Really, I love this. Movie. Yeah. No. Well, I just love the the you know the being out west and just how I don't know. It's it's Craig Sheffer is also in the movie, Mike. Yeah, uh, he is Brad Pitt's brother. You know who Craig Sheffer is. Right, familiar vaguely. I couldn't tell you everything he's in. He was a uh, very popular quarterback in a football movie that was filmed in the Midlands. Oh, uh, the program, yeah. The, the, well, this which is you, another one. Which you have not seen. You so heard, you're not oh, you're not a Craig Sheffer fan, are you? That's that's the problem here. Uh, no, I'm not. A, I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't say I'm a fan because I couldn't name <laughs> three movies he's in. No, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the third. I'll give you the third. He's in Fire in the Sky. You have seen that, correct? Nope. See what happens with me is like I I this go is going in downhill with, quickly. I know I, I go in with an impression of whether or not I'm going to like a movie. Batting a thousand. And if I if I like it, I'm going. I'm beating that dead horse. I'm going back and back and back. If if it's something I'm skittish about, I need to be kind of like I'm. I'm never the first one in the pool. I didn't watch The Sopranos till season four, and then I caught up. I didn't watch Seinfeld till season three or four, and then I caught up. I let everybody else go first. Tell me. Then I go to people I trust on whether or not I think it's going to be good. Then I give it a sample. And it's the same thing with movies. Like If, if enough people say, Mike, no, you really got to see this. You would like it. Then I'll, then I'll go for it and go from there. But there's just not a lot that that comes out especially these days where i say oh yeah yeah i got i gotta see that i i gotta see that so no uh in the program but i have taken some heat over that yeah I you took, should though yeah i mean that's come deserve on. it it's really you, a great movie though honestly you, you, you can't like i mean you know how I, I i i love the golden tones but i just don't know how you could have a qualified conversation about football movies if you haven't seen the program uh well I also, I mean, I've seen on on any given Sunday, and I didn't think it was a great movie, and that was I, I took some heat for that. Now, if you want to talk good football movies, okay. what is the what is what is what is your football movie? Got to watch one tonight. What are you going to? Uh, give me Friday Night Light. Give me North Forty. Give me Varsity Blues. Varsity Blues. Yeah. I can't argue with Varsity Blues or Friday Night. Light. I'm going Necessary Roughness because Robert Loggia is in it. Yeah. As He's Wally, Wally Riggendorf. Yeah. Yeah. Give me the Secretary of Defense. That, that is that the is Lincoln. a killer football movie. Necessary roughness. I love it. Kathy That's Ireland. Kathy Ireland, right? And yeah. so you guys know 
if if you come to my house and you're always the door is always welcome here in uh, Atlanta on my refrigerator <laughs> I have a lot of pictures and one of them is me and Kathy Ireland oh she this is a true story I was doing sports talk radio in Columbia this was the early part of it and um so maybe like early 2000s this is back on the old sports radio 1400 the team yeah and Back then, I think Terry Chick was even doing one of the shows before Terry just moved on and and uh, left left the market. Anyway, I get this notice, and it says Kathy Ireland is going to be in town to promote a golf tournament she's playing in Myrtle Beach. Would you like her on the show? And I don't know what was wrong with me, but my first instinct, maybe I was just having a bad day. I was like... Oh, is she going to be like big time? Is she, you know, is she going to walk in there with an entourage and we're going to have to sit there? And then, and then something came over like, Mike, what the hell are you saying? Yes, we'll have her on. Of course. (laughs) Wait, but, but I, I, but, but I, this was the afternoon show and I was a little skeptical. Like how, what am I going to ask her? What am I going to talk to her about? She's not, she's promoting a golf tournament. Okay. I don't think she had her furniture line yet. And, um, so she comes in the studio, and if it's possible for a supermodel to look even better in person than you think she does with all the airbrushed pictures, she looked better in person. I mean, wow. just phenomenal. Just <laughs> phenomenal. And I know it's like, well, of course, she's a supermodel. Eh. Anyway, she, com- <laughs> she comes in. She, 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 a limousine rolls up, and this is the old studio. For those in Columbia, you'll know this. This is the old Clear Channel studio off of Bush River Road. And it was built on stilts because it's in a floodplain. Every time there was a storm, you were nervous that this thing is going to go underwater. There were snakes that would that would slither underneath, and, and you'd see snakes coming out of there. It was a dump of a building before they eventually moved to, to Greystone Boulevard. So she rolls up in a limousine with her handler, comes in. I can only imagine what she's thinking, like, what am I doing in this building in Columbia, built on stilts, this, I'm, and I'm going on a sports talk show with – with two random guys that I don't know. So I'm expecting the worst attitude possible from Miss Kathy Ireland. She rolls up. Couldn't have been nicer. Again, stunning as all get all. I ask her, and I still have this somewhere. Hey, Kathy, would you come with me in the studio and, and, and record a liner saying, this is Kathy Ireland. And you're listening to Mike Morgan on the cheap seats. She does it. Doesn't even ah. hesitate. Absolutely, Mike. Comes in, records it. Then she comes in studio, and I'm thinking she's going to, like, get the plug in and then get out. Get the plug in. I don't want to have to be here any longer than I have to be here. I'm out. The limousine, the, the car's running. Otto, the driver, is ready to move on to the next destination and get to Myrtle Beach and participate in that golf tournament. She's on with us for an hour. Wow. And I, to this day, I don't even know what I asked her. I'm no, sure necessary roughness came up, but I have a picture on my fridge of me and her heads, headphones on with in front of the microphones smiling and needless to say, I might as well just be, you know, a ghost and nobody's looking at me in this photograph. <laughs> no, Are you really with Kathy Ireland? Now this is, 
this is 20 years ago. And uh, I, I, I still look back at it and I'm like, did that really happen? I am interviewing. You got to remember, Kathy Ireland at that time was still as big a name as there is. This is before all these, uh, uh, you know, fly by night Instagram models. This was like you were either a supermodel or you weren't. Okay. So it was like her, Elle McPherson. Um, I'm sure a couple others started, you know, sprouting wings there in the early 2000s, but she was still legit. And um, yeah, did a whole hour with her. So I, I take a lot of pride in that picture, and uh, yeah, then it became an issue. She kept calling me and asking me. Yeah, out, I was about to I, say, yeah, we had to, were, we had to end of that. You were her Scott Bakula. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> you, were, uh, you were her quarterback. <laughs> yeah, uh, Cindy Crawford. Yeah, obviously Cindy Crawford was on there too. But I, 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 I'll take Kathy Ireland over Cindy Crawford any day. Um, mm. That's just me. But, uh, but yeah, no, it was, uh, it was on, it was unreal. Yeah, one hour in studio interview with Kathy Ireland, who actually recorded his liner. <laughs> oh, I didn't see the comment here in the Cindy. Cro- oh, yeah. Well, Sydney was on there too, but Ireland was she was the real deal. Kathy and El McF- <laughs> <Elle> McPherson. <laughs> I mean, we're showing our age well, here, but Kathy was also in Loaded Gun. Didn't see it. I mean, come on. You're not going to get on either. me for not seeing Loaded Gun. That's got to be a no. one-and-a-half-star movie if there ever was one. Probably, yeah. But I do totally disagree with the cat in the in here just a minute ago. Oh, it's 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 your boy, Brian. He said that Necessary Roughness is cat, uh category of all-time worst movies. Brian. <laughs> I, Jaws 4. No way. Almost fire. Almost fire. <laughs> wow. Wait a minute now. Ryan, no. St. Elmo's Fire, I will defend. I will defend that cast to the death. Right. <laughs> Rob Lowe, a young Demi Moore, Andrew McCarthy, Judd Nelson. Yeah, Probably I'm with it. you there. I can't hey, defend I'm, Jaws 4. I'm def- I'm def- which one? Yeah, Jaws 4 was awful. Anything I, I after Jaws 2 is a complete embarrassment and an insult to shark movies uh, of all time. <laughs> But the first the two, shark movie category really took a the dive. shark movie category took a dive after that. They literally took a took a big time dive. Rebounded uh, the deep blue sea. Yeah. Well, oh. the, <laughs> there, there is one called Open Water. JC, uh, we, we talked about, we, this, right? we talked about oh. Open Water, and uh, Ralphie May, the comedian, also oh. talks about has a great bit about that. I can't repeat it here because. Uh, we can't use some of the, the terminology. Of the language. He, he did. But he, he That's based like, on a true story, open water. It, Yeah. My fiance and I talk about that. That's why I'm never going scuba diving. Yeah. Yeah, no Cause, thanks. Because no, I, no. I have this thing where if something Especially bad happens here. to me, I want it to either be the fact that I'm stupid and I've done something stupid for something to happen to me. Uh, or it's just an act of, of nature and God and I'm in the wrong place. Wrong time. <laughs> I don't want to put my hands. It, it, that's why I don't like to fly. So put my life in the hands of people who you don't know. And they may be complete idiots. Never, never go into a pod. Nah, the air traffic controller in Austin, Texas, that almost, you know, the, this guy, some kid, you know, you can tell by his voice in Austin, Texas, uh, there was almost a midair collision between a Southwest jet and a FedEx jet. Clearly we're sitting there watching the video. He clears the Southwest jet for playoff. Oh, uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you're sorry. You know what? I, mean, I don't trust people, so I'm not going scuba diving for some idiot that makes eighteen dollars an hour 
or a nickel an hour because it's down in the Caribbean somewhere. Yeah. Uh, he's checking off a list. He goes, oh, the big-headed guy and the Asian girl. Oh, yeah, they're here somewhere. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> now, 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 it does make me feel good that, like, you can't miss me and my fiance. It, it, looks, it, just, it just looks weird. You got a big, you know, 280-pound dude with a big head, Caucasian as you know what, and a five-foot Asian. I mean, so somewhere they'll be like, where's that big guy? We need to harpoon his ass and bring him back up here and make sure she's not chopping up sushi down there at the bottom of the water with the endangered species. And so that's, uh, that's, uh, so I do have some solace in that, but my luck is by the time I get to the Caribbean, I'll be looking like I did four years ago and just like normal average Joe. And I will be like, just left. And that, yeah. that's got to be the worst feeling in the world, man. You ain't got no cell phone. You ain't got no flares. You just got your flippers, your tank, uh, you no floatable in devices. The of the ocean, shark in the, By yourself. Shark Overnight. Waters. <sighs> day after day, and they just left you. Yeah, that is, and again. Would you, yeah. would you rather, if you did scuba dive, though, and you were going to get eaten by a shark, would you rather be in, like, the murky waters of South Carolina where – they're just going to attack you and you don't know they're coming or you're like in the clear waters of the Bahamas and you're like, Oh crap, a shark is coming. And I have, there's nothing I can do about this. You see, oh, death clear. Coming. you can punch him in the nose. Yeah. I want to see or is it. it. Or is that no, an alligator? Okay. I watch what? shark week. No, you can, you can punch him in the nose. You can punch him in the eye. If you watch shark week, they'll tell you if like, if you like rub the top of the snout, like who's gonna do that when a shark is sinking? Oh, hello, Mister Shark. Good to see you. You're gonna have clear thought enough to be like, oh, I'm pretty bird. Yeah, so Petey to a blind kid. Yeah, I, uh, I just don't want to scuba dive. Like Patrick Davis has a hookup and he goes down to the Bahamas all the time and scuba dives. I'm like, that sounds like a good way to get eaten by a shark. I don't think I want to do that. So I'm just. Not I would go in a shark cage. Would you? Yeah, yeah, that's I my that one. Too. That's as as adventurous as I get. I would go in a with people I trust running it a shark <laughs> cage, and if I'm if I'm ready to bail, I just you know pull the line. Like okay, he's he's done. Oh, I can. Not I just way. hear the old man and Jaws in my head right now. I want to go home. singing yeah. that song right oh, through. Yeah. You're about to get eaten. Well, how about yeah. the? Uh, are you gonna get the ocean? Don't get an ocean gate shark cage. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. The, yeah. the sub. Speaking of oh, idiots. Leftover carbon fiber cage. Yeah. yeah. I don't plan on together. going 27 football fields down in the bottom of the Atlantic. I just. <laughs> yeah. They're, right the, right the, below the, the surface in a cage. So like there are two. two yeah. I'll mention this too. While we're kind of all, there are two great memes out there about the Pac 12 thing. The first one was a picture of heaven. And it had Harambe up in the oh, middle, yes. and then Prince and David Bowie and all these other people that have died since 2016, <laughs> and the Pac-12 sitting there at the step, the, you know, the 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 logo is sitting there at the steps, and they're like, "You're home now, sweet brother," <laughs> you know, and, and all that. <laughs> the second one, and I put this on the inside of the Gamecocks uh, Instagram account, I got in trouble a little bit. Some people like, "You're so insensitive." Is the Ocean Gate submarine? Tilting downward, descending, and has the Pac-12 logo on the side. <laughs> and if you want to, if you want to know the truth, uh, I think unlike Harambe and all those celebrity deaths, if the, the leadership of Ocean Gate 
was mm. kind of similar to what happened in the Pac-12. A lot of just like insane thinking. <laughs> it'll all work the out. The all it'll it'll all it'll be fine. Yeah, we're uh, fine. Yeah, that is masking tape, but that's <laughs> fine. We're hey. Yeah, always take risk in life, right? What kind of crazy glue sniffer are you? He's gonna pilot the thing. I mean, it's like you're he's like crazier than Steven, the Irishman from Braveheart, who tells you he's crazy. Anyway, I totally trust this guy to go way down. Come on, son. Uh, Bobby said that is having too much money. That's a yeah. classic case. Yes. That's that's yeah. a good point yeah. and not enough sense. Bobby said that thing was made out of the flex seal. Like the commercial <laughs> where the guy like sprays it on the bottom yeah, of his John boat. He's chance. just <laughs> easing out there. I, I'll tell everybody this. My cousin and I, we had a we had a leak in the bottom of a John boat one time, and we bought flex seal just to see if the commercial holds up. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. No, I'm not surprised. Like, how, it how was much still leaking. Did you lose out of the boat that day? Yeah, it was still leaking. You mean something in an infomercial was not accurate? No, dude, that guy just cruising down the water, cranking his engine on his John boat. I thought, well, this has got to be real. Let's try it out. Nope, doesn't work. So, flex seal went out the window. All right, we got to go to break. Uh, you did mention the Pac-12, which is now the Pac-4 and two, soon to be the Tupac. <laughs> Uh, two, we will two pack, two pack. we'll we'll mix that into our conversation Mike a report by the way out uh, actually from awful announcing it was uh, Gene Smith from Ohio State the soon to be former AD who said oh yeah it was Fox that gave us the money to bring Washington and Oregon in mm-hmm. oh so, so that's a big footnote yeah that's quite the story. Could there be more of that in the future? We will find out. Hang tight. Inside the Gamecocks, the movie show. <laughs> Powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston. ElectricBikesCharleston.com. We'll be right back. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style. In seconds, they're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. 
If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in a Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include a variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Electric Bikes of Charleston! Electric Bikes of Charleston! Electric Bikes of Charleston! Electric Bikes of Charleston! If you haven't done it yet, make sure you do download the Chief Sports app in your phone so you can take us anywhere. Somebody earlier said they were, I uh, saw it in the chat box, they said they were taking our program to the bathroom. So we certainly appreciate that. And uh, you, can, you can take it anywhere else you go. Uh, Nobody reads the morning paper anymore, so you might as well. Take the yeah, Chief to the bathroom with you. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a nice comment that a uh, parcel delivery guy. Appreciated yes. it for being able to listen live on the road. Saw that UPS. Absolutely, <laughs> man. 
Uh, One we, of the primary we, we, reasons we did this. Yeah. What can Brown do for you? There's no doubt, and we're uh, I'm we're big fans of UPS around here. I know JC is as well. As much mail as he sends out and all kinds of stuff. Uh, real quick here, I want to make sure that we mention this again today. If you or someone you know is looking for employment in the state of Georgia or the state of South Carolina, uh, a couple of painters is hiring. Uh, if you know a young man or young lady that either A, knows how to paint or wants to be learned how to paint, they will be compensated well, but they are hiring and it's urgently hiring. It's how busy they are, thanks to people like our, our program here, getting them business across two states. Uh, so if you head to lemmepaintsomething.com, L-E-M-M-E, paintsomething.com, uh, you can uh, certainly get a hold of them, but you can also, if you're listening to this, uh, remember or write down this number, put it in your phone, whatever you want to do, 803-522-6832. That's a couple of painters, 803-522-6832. So uh, they will train for somebody who's interested as well, but they are urgently hiring. Mike, uh, I mentioned before we went to break that the essentially Fox – help buy Washington and Oregon for their move into the Big Ten. The ACC, who knows what the future of that is. They are in a uh, deal through 2036. Any chance that Disney comes back around and says, you know what, here's what we're willing to do to enhance this league and maybe follow in Fox's footsteps by footing the bill? Uh, maybe. I, I wouldn't out rule out anything right now because there's there's so many moving parts. Um, that was the big kind of Rick Neuheisel hope of saving the pack 12, 10, 8, 6, 5, 4, is that <laughs> Disney would be uh, front and center and, and, and kind of align. Basically, uh, let me see if I'm following this, this path correctly. His his plan, his grand grandmaster plan, was that Disney sells ESPN, which has been rumored, and then I guess buys the pack. I, I don't know. He has a plan, and it, it was confusing. But he was hoping that that would somehow save the pack because it was clear that they had no other uh, chance. But yeah, I, I mean, anything's possible at, at this point. Um, and of course, I, I'm I'm sure. The the people that brokered that deal are being pressured on a regular basis about, hey, look, I know we signed it. I know by the letter of the law we can't get out of it. But in a, in a gesture of good faith, would you go ahead and be willing to reconsider negotiating it in a different manner? Because it's, it's not healthy to have programs that want to bolt the league because they're so far behind the others, the others in this case being the, the Big Ten and the SEC so far behind those two in the um, in in the revenue standpoint of that. So I, I don't know. I, I really it's it's hard to say what's going to uh, to happen with all that. Honestly, I I just know that the, what just happened is is so transformative and revolutionary in terms of where we are now and what it's going to be going forward. And we are inching closer and closer to. Uh, NFC, AFC type dominance with a kind of like that's your major and and a minor in Big 12 ACC. And the Big 12 did incredible work to not only salvage that league, but to really make a 
an improvement in some facets. You can't make up losing Texas and Oklahoma. Those are two major brands, but boy, you did the best you possibly could uh, in spite of that. And then the ACC just kind of in a quagmire. Do y'all, does anybody here think that it would be good for the ACC to find a way to get Stanford and Cal into that league? And we were talking, yeah. Yeah, well, let me let me let me just show this real quick. You can probably answer them to get answer them together. Is there a world, a future world that we may live in, where conference affiliation differs from every literally every other sport versus football? I I think that some of those programs are going to have to look at that that a football only model, much like you know, in, in the case of Notre Dame, it's the opposite, right? Everything but football. Uh, tied into the ACC. I think a football only model, because as I talked about on your show uh, last week, football travel is easy. Like it's, you only, you only have like six road games a year. Okay. Mm -hmm. You're taking a, a charter flight. You're staying at the best hotel. You leave on a Friday, you play your game Saturday, you leave Saturday night and you come back. You miss hardly anything. It, 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 Football travel, I know people look at these maps and they say, this is ridiculous, doesn't make any sense. But for football, it doesn't really matter. But for the other sports, particularly those that are not chartering like men's and women's basketball, it does matter. It's a huge, huge setback to try and make that work logistically. So I, I think that's that's going to have to be in play in some cases where there might be some schools that just try to do football only. All right, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, JC. You were you were out. I um, there's no way in my mind, there's no way that they're going to be able to stay with the current format of the college football playoff. Just no way. They're not going to want to do it because you take the so top six conference champions right now. That's going to give you two group of five champions, and we all know damn well that the Power Five, somebody out there in the Big Ten or the SEC, is going to say, "Hold on now." our fourth and fifth best team are better than that one. And they deserve to be in there over that team. Um, between the two of you, Mike and JC, what do you anticipate those conversations sounding like moving forward? And I mean, because they have to conference realignment, although it may seem settled or soon to be settled, it won't be. There's always going to be something else that comes up. And I think what's getting proven right now is that what they came up with for a playoff system might not necessarily fit what the new world of college football is going to look like. So are we going to do this every time the conference has changed, Mike, or are they going to have to come up with something that can survive any time that quote-unquote realignment reemerges? Well, I do, I do think this. We're, we're about one more realignment step away from there's just not much left. There's not much left at the buffet table. It's always like you go to that all-you-can-eat buffet, and people go right for the beef, and they go for the, the the fresh sides, and then there's always like that plate of parsley that no one has touched. You know, you've got one more thing left. With I'm more focused on what's going to happen. You know, it, it, I want to call Florida State's bluff. Like, do you really have a loophole here? Or are you just talking noise? Do you really think you have a way to get out of this thing? Maybe you have like an SMU plan. Maybe you have like just some some big ballers willing to spend so much money 
to get out of the situation that they're in. But then the question becomes, well, where do you go? But I mean, and that would have a domino effect that could probably affect Clemson as well. But what 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 happens to Cal, Stanford, Oregon State, Washington State? I hate to say this, but that doesn't really move the needle. What we just saw was a major move the needle deal. What we saw with Texas and Oklahoma, Southern Cal, UCLA, major move the needle deal. We've only got the two uh, programs in the ACC left that's a move the needle type deal. The other ones are just secondary. They don't affect a whole lot. The, the, the structure of the playoff, the structure of everything else going on, like nothing's going to change because of Oregon State going to the Mountain West or the American or Stanford being an independent or Cal going to the ACC or any of these. That doesn't really move a whole lot in college football. The big earthquakes already happened. Now there's just a little bit of the, you know, the the aftershock or whatever that might come with those other programs. But what we just what we just saw is the major one, the big one, as uh, Fred Sanford used to say. Uh, and then the only one that's left is is if somehow those two programs in the ACC can untether themselves to that league and go elsewhere. All right, you want to get a move in here, JC? How about this? <clears throat> Would it be better for South Carolina? Would it be listen now? I'm asking this question now. Would it be better for South Carolina if Clemson was a part of the SEC? I think so. Why? Um uh and I know that in recruiting in the past when when Clemson had a decent academic center in South Carolina. Students were at the roost. Uh, when Clemson had nice practice fields and South Carolina was still practicing on Bluff Road where people would yell by, ru- ru- you know, roll by and scream and you had trucks and it was dangerous. Uh, when, when Clemson sort of had those types of advantages on the Gamecocks uh, in terms of just, you know, forward-facing investment in their program, yeah, you use the SEC to say, hey, come here, right? As it stands now, Clemson doesn't recruit the state anyway. You're not recruiting head-to-head against those guys, but for a couple of guys a year, they tend to recruit different players. Uh, I think as long as they're in the ACC, they're going to have a, a clear path to the college football playoff. I mean, truth be told. Sure. You think about some of their teams that have made the playoff through the years, like uh, 2017, for example. Uh, you think the 2017 team would have gone undefeated against an SEC schedule? No. <laughs> Kelly Bryant would not have <laughs> uh, that year. Uh, do you think the 2020 team that played for a national championship against LSU, uh, against an all-SEC schedule, when they had to come from behind and beat Boston College at home and uh, you know, uh, lost to Notre Dame by a point or whatever, and then won the rematch or whatever. <coughs> no. What about? Excuse me. It's from a sh- but no, they don't. They don't make it schedule. through. Yeah, what they don't make it through. But I mean, for on the South Carolina side, guys, if if Clemson is in the SEC, they're your permanent opponent every year. The SEC is going to a nine-game league schedule. There's no. That's ha- that's coming. I don't know when it's coming, but it's coming. They're not going to be able to avoid it, and I think most schools are going to actually want to do that at the end of the day. Um, so they'll be a permanent opponent, opponent, but they'll be a league game. 
that gives you three non-league games to schedule elsewhere. Is that good for the Gamecocks? I, I think you're going you're to play Clemson anyway because you're that's not. What I'm saying they're not the, yeah. the people that think they're going to quit playing Clemson like, don't don't no understand. they're that that's not going to that's my point is if they go to a nine game league schedule then you're basically playing ten league games a year because you got Clemson at the end of the season if they're part of the conference you yeah. can go schedule three other programs right exactly here's my correction I, I meant I meant to say Ohio State in 2020 by the way they lost to LSU in 19. Here's why your question is is fascinating jamie because there are two schools of thought that would go into if you're just looking at it from a gamecock perspective is that a good thing or a bad thing first off i I promise you this uh south carolina would do everything to stop it just like florida would do everything to stop florida state from coming Uh, you you don't want to share that prominence and more importantly the money okay Florida State wants to get out of the ACC so desperately, not because of the prestige or lack thereof of the ACC. It's because the chasm that when the SEC gets to like $100 million per school per year, that that will dwarf what every ACC team makes financially. So you have that in play. But But JC's point is very valid in that I'm sure Gamecock fans think about this all the time. Wouldn't it be nice to see Clemson be humbled in an SEC schedule grind? Uh, like even even those really good Dabo teams that made, what, six straight playoffs and two titles, they, they still would be a really good team, but you're, you're not putting up the same record, and, you're, and you are going to be humbled more. So it's like, do you want to see that? Do you want to see uh, Clemson have a harder path to having a, a you know a 10 11 12 win season which they certainly would have a harder path there'd be a lot fewer of them in the SEC or do you want to keep them out and have such a big financial advantage recruiting advantage right uh, exposure advantage would you rather have that and i think that's that might be a difficult question to answer for a little bit. I think th- I think that JC took the apples and you took the oranges, Mike. I, I, I think that you're both exactly right. JC's talking about on the field, on the court, whatever, on the on the whatever you want to call it in the sport type. That's 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 his angle here. Your angle's the money because here's the reality of it. If the ACC, if every program in the ACC via a TV deal was getting eighty million, a hundred million dollars a year, none of them would be looking to leave. Right. And where, and where does, see, in the old days, the money, like it wasn't that big a deal because there's only so many times you can improve your weight room and your facilities. But now (laughs) you'd think, and there's only so many, you can only give your head coach so many millions of dollars. And that that's, that's there with, with, uh, donations from your, this club and your, that club. But now with NIL, see, that's where if I'm making $50 million a year less, and some of that fifty million, one way or another, and JC knows that world uh, understands it a lot better than I do. Uh, one way or another, that money can trickle down to NIL and accumulating talent. Uh, the SEC and the Big Ten, with that much more money than every other conference, I have to believe that in recruiting, that is only going to be a major, major uh, advantage. Not to mention the portal. When you when kids are going off to the highest bidder, which we know happens, it is true free agency in college football right now, whether we like it or not. 
some of that money can come into play. So, so if you're Florida State, Florida State and Clemson haven't had a problem in recruiting well in, in a long time. Florida State's never had a problem recruiting well. Uh, right. But if you're if you're half of what the other schools in the SEC are making financially, then all of a sudden that might be a bigger deal than just well their weight room is nicer than ours. I think it's what depends on what the playoff committee is going to do to adjust to the disillusion apparent of the pack four, <laughs> because you're not going to be able to guarantee them a spot. Right. So this yeah. committee is going to actually have to pay attention to strength of schedule and not just give it lip service. If it isn't going to give automatic qualifying to, to conference winners, then you want Clemson to stay in the ACC because you can always point to them and be like, hey, look at the cupcakes they're playing and put the pressure on them to go to somewhere like the Big Ten to actually find a harder schedule. Because my whole thing with this conference realignment is, and I said this before, is that, you know, in the question that what does the SEC need to do? The boss move is nothing because you don't yeah. have to. In fact, you can earn more money for your schools by just dropping that extra game, the extra conference game, I think, would benefit the SEC schools more so than bringing in two other programs, you know, regardless of what their names are, even if it starts with ND. I, I think there's some programs out there that would bring value. Uh I think Notre Dame definitely would. I think North Carolina definitely would. I, I don't know. <clears throat> Other than being good at football historically, I don't know what the deal is uh, with Clemson and Florida State as far as what they bring to the SEC because you do have that already, you know. So, what? It's decent baseball programs. Just making sure you're okay, man. You, <laughs> yeah, man. I'm like, I, it's like awful. It, like throats yeah. good. And my, my camera is not adjusted well, so it looks like I'm like slumped down, like in the bottom. Like he's hey, shrinking. What's up? The man How's with the going? big head is shrinking. You know? I'm like that dude on uh, on uh, on Tool Time or whatever that the the, 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 the uh, Wilson with Tim Allen Wilson that looked over the fence. Yeah. Hey guys, let's I've got my ball. kids into Tool Time, man. They love yeah, it. So yeah, hey, I don't know what the heck. The hey, problem is you'll there. you'll enjoy this, but my kid, we got to get a we got to hit a final break. My kids, they think. I pick which ones they can watch because some of them are a little bit, you know, but, and it, my kids think to win the audience laughs that they're supposed to laugh. So every time the audience laughs, they start <laughs> laughing and clapping their hands. That's <laughs> so uh, funny, man. Love it. it is so funny. All right. Uh, quick timeout. We'll wrap this up, but don't go anywhere. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Hey everybody. This is Mo Coppa from Carolina football. The show is painted garden and black every day by a couple of painters. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com to check them out. Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail 
and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barn Doe Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama. Columbia and go Mike, I thought what was happening to JC there was uh, you're going to be your Todd Walker moment on this program when Todd fell asleep <laughs> on you in the booth. I will never yeah, – uh, JC, I don't know if y'all were watching the SEC <laughs> Network that night in Athens, but Mike obviously can tell the stories is his story. But he was calling a game, and I texted him because I he heard him on TV talking to Todd Walker in the booth, and Todd was not responding. And all I heard Mike say was – Todd? <laughs> That's what 20-plus innings of a Tuesday night baseball game with Georgia Clemson will do to an analyst. One, one in the morning is when we uh, signed off after the walk-off by the Bulldogs. Yeah, Todd literally passed out on the air, and I had the pictures to prove it. I, I said Todd's a super, super dude, and, and I still joke with him about that today. Uh, it's, that's an all-timer. That's a, an absolute all timer. Oh man, oh man. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that'll happen to JC. I don't think he'll succumb to that, unless we ever have a, a six hour uh, inside the Gamecock show. Then, then maybe Ugh. people start dropping like flies on this prestigious uh, dais that we have. Um, with that, with that thought in mind, uh, you know, when we when we get to <laughs> Senior citizen age, we might be just having more of those cat naps in the most awkward of situations. This is for uh, people soon to be turning 65. You know, if you're if you're around that age or maybe you've got a spouse around that age, maybe you're uh, uh, you're you're were on Medicare, but you're losing coverage through uh, the job of, of your spouse or, or yourself. Uh, this is where all the things that can come into play. And this is why Brian Spencer but we give such a hard time in so many other uh, ways, and justifiably so. Uh, he is so good at this. I mean, this is the one thing he was put on this earth for, was to uh, perform CrossFit and and to help people save money and get in the best Medicare plan as pro- as possible. 
the phone number is uh, easy to remember, 803-960-9484, 960-9484. Again, uh, the, the whole idea is to help you through the process, right? Cover as much of Medicare as humanly possible. Discuss the best plan for you. You want to have somebody on your side. He's been doing this since 2005. It's a South Carolina-owned business that can really help South Carolinians. 803-960-9484. Brian Spencer of Palmetto Medicare. And he's a huge fan of movies like Necessary Roughness. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. uh, So we're we're thrilled to have him. Thrilled to have him. and really appreciate what he's done for the state of, of, of South Carolina. Even though Mike takes a shot at his, at his, uh, at his looks. Well, every, every week. I mean, virtually everything else about him is, is, uh, is fair game. Aver- average at best. right? Uh, <laughs> well, average okay. at best. I don't think he's a very good. Oh, what did you say? Average. average. Mike, Mike, uh, the sec network guys, it, 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 you call games on the sec network and you've heard every one of these. So I'm anxious to hear your opinion. The sec network guys ranked the best songs at sec games. Colin Baton Rouge was at five. Dixieland Delight and T-Town was at four. Florida's Won't Back Down. Well, it's not Florida. It's just Tom Petty's, but they play it, of course, in the Swamp at three. Sandstorm at two, and they've got Rocky Top at one. What do you think about that list? Um, Rocky Top is the one that's you can't get out of your head no matter how hard you try. You just can't. Kidding. You just can't. <laughs> it's the, one, the biggest earworm of all of them. It's, I mean, just the mention of it now, I'm replaying it over God. and over. And over. If you've, been, if you've been to Neyland Stadium for three and a half hour games, as uh, m- many of us have and many of, in your audience have, you just know you cannot. It's unavoidable. It's absolutely unavoidable. So I, I get it. I mean, look, it's it's catchy. Is it something you're you're going to play on your iPod? No, Sandstorm. I yeah. actually liked that kind of music before it ever even became uh, associated with Gamecock athletics. I've told this story before, long before the Gamecock started playing it at, at football and basketball games. Blake Taylor, that was his music when he came out of the bullpen. Yeah. Blake was a different dude, really, really good dude, and he played Darud Sandstorm back in like 2002 or whatever, when the song first came out yep. and, and then Carolina started doing it. Uh, and then now of course it's a copycat business. So you see college teams, pro teams copycatting that, but I, I like that. Like that literally was on my mix CD. <laughs> I like that kind of music. Um, and again, no lyric, but it's got a good beat and everything else. Uh, I'm a huge Tom Petty guy. So even though that's a more recent phenomenon, you know, the, the won't back down thing's pretty damn cool. And it just, it's pretty cool. It works because he's from Gainesville, too. Right. Actually, yeah. literally, I don't think he's a big college football fan, but Tom Petty. I don't think so. Raised in, uh, in Gainesville. What were the other two? Old Miss? No, when they play Dixieland Delight in, uh, in Tuscaloosa, they've got oh, that at oh, four. Oh. And then LSU, okay. Colin Baton Rouge. Both of those are really sweet on TV, at least. Yeah, when they're yeah. when they're when, especially when they're winning, and, right. and it's at night in Baton Rouge, and, the, and that's cool. That's yeah, cool. yeah, it's funny because every time I've been to Baton Rouge, it's only been to call a game, so I've never really even noticed that one. I guess when watching on TV, I probably should. But so many other things, it's like sensory overload. If you do a night game at LSU, if you're in that stadium at night, there's so many other things that stand out to me than any type of music. It's just the 
the, the, drunks. The, the drunks, the rowdy nature of a bunch of uh, yelling and screaming Cajuns and locals. And <laughs> so, so the drunks. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you know, all the bells and whistles don't need to apply in Death Valley. It's it's <laughs> no, you know, nothing. Here's the deal. Nothing can replace just loud crowd noise. Yeah. No music, no, nothing you can play on an intercom. Um, it's the same thing, you know, in TV, you hear the, the expression, let it breathe. When you're able to, before the snap, say nothing for like 10 seconds, and it's just, oh, that, nothing beats that. And very few places have it every Saturday. Like some fan bases will get up for it a couple times a year, but it, it, it's hard. You can't replicate that. You can't pipe it in. No music, no gimmicks, nothing matches that. Just pure crowd noise is the best sound of any football stadium. I would 100% agree with that. And the SEC, uh, outside of a few ballparks across the country, really has the large majority of the programs that can provide that every single Saturday, as we well know. Uh, goal point. I got to be careful here. I know Mike, beautiful bride, is from Bluegrass. Oh, no. I have been to Kroger Field, and yes, it's gotten a little, little. Kroger Field, they need to stop with the music. I can't even hear the Kentucky fights. Oh, how loud it is? It's loud. It's it's beyond loud. We we literally had a game where it was so loud in our headsets, it just drowned us out. And I I kept asking the audio guy, can we do anything? They couldn't fix it. They just could not uh, fix it. And they don't need to do that. I mean, Kentucky's atmosphere has gotten pretty good over the years. Yeah. Yeah. They've come a long way. They don't need to have the... The PA guy becoming the star of the show. Yeah, it's all it's the rap music is like Yeah. I mean it it's 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 a lot, but you know, whatever. Little much. Little much. Well, we did it again, Mike. Go take yourself a nap. You and JC, y'all had a long morning. <laughs> Phil been talking a lot. Phil has uh, kept kept it all together today. He deserves yes, an award. Kudos. Um, anybody uh, with Venmo, uh, if you'd be willing to send Phil some money, we'd appreciate that. And uh, Phil, give him your Venmo. What is it? Uh, Mad Dog Molina. Mad Dog Monax. It's just Mad Dog. Mad yeah, Dog. Mad, Mad Dog. Hey. I had to run to the gas station this morning. The little thing wouldn't work, so I had to walk in and make sure that uh, it's uh, this is the second time I've gone this week, and this place is just falling apart. Say, so here's my card. You know, just put like twenty bucks on it because it takes forever to pump. But the guy who's checking out in front of me <laughs> buying two Mad Dogs at eight o'clock in the morning. Wow, nice, <laughs> living his best life. <laughs> this guy, he looked like a construction worker. So God, God help the home that he's building. But um, one of those things you see that makes you ask what year it is. You know, that's that's one of those mad dog bottles. If you ever tear your home down in about 30 years to rebuild it, you're going to find it in the walls, like between the studs. It's shoved in there. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? All right. uh, Thanks to Chris, Perry, and Mike, and all of you. Really cannot thank you enough for joining us. Have a thirsty Thursday afternoon. Tomorrow, Michael Haney and Michael Flint, two mics. Don't make a right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show, part of the Chief Sports Network.